Welcome to the Raging Rhino podcast. This is podcast number 150. My name is John. Poor young grandson. There's nothing I can say. You'll have to learn just like me, and that's the hardest way. <laughs> yeah, look at that. I'm at 150 episodes. I have to admit, it's getting harder and harder to do these. I don't see how some of these political pundits could do it for so long. I'm trying to find ways to keep my interest, and when I do find something that I want to talk about, I try to find a clever way to do it. For instance, this month I'm going to talk about original or alternate endings to fairy tales. I, I know I've thought about this for a while, but now I'm wondering if I might have already done it. I guess that's what happens when you've been doing a podcast for 12 and a half years. Of course, I only do one of these a month, and I do try to have a life outside of it. I've written down ideas and abandoned them before, so maybe this is one of those that I thought I've done, but I never actually got around to it, and the seed has finally germinated. Regardless, it's amazing how some of these fairy tales used to end prior to modern interpretations that sanitize them a lot. I mean, I kind of understand that you don't want to talk about the hero of a story forcing the protagonist to dance in red-hot iron boots until they die, like they do at the end of the original Snow White. However, at the same time, maybe a little bit of fear is good for kids? Hell, if some of these dumbass parents can take their kids to an R-rated movie at 10 p.m. like Gina and I have witnessed in the past, why the hell can't we keep some of these original fairy tale endings? Besides, the whole point of these stories were to promote messages, morality, and warnings to children to be careful out in a dangerous world. Maybe I'll do some more of these later. But to start with, Little Red Riding Hood. We all know how this ends, or at least how we were told this ends in modern books and cartoons. The woodsman kills the wolf and saves Red Riding Hood. However, in the original version, Red is a young woman who asks the wolf for directions to her grandmother's house and, of course, is given false information. Obliviously, Red Riding Hood takes the wolf's advice and ends up getting eaten. That's it. That's the end of the story. She gets eaten. That's a fun little tale to tell your children before bedtime, isn't it? There's no woodsman, no grandmother, just, well, dead Riding Hood and a satiated wolf. Now, we look at that ending with our modern lens... And we wonder to ourselves, why would somebody tell that story to their kids? Well, obviously, it was to drill into their little minds not to take advice from strangers. And think about it. Why wouldn't Red already know how to get to her grandmother's house? If nothing else, she ought to have a map with directions. Why ask a stranger and why would he know the directions to begin with? 
The old-time message for modern children and adults alike is this. Don't automatically trust whomever is giving you information. That seems kind of obvious, right? But it isn't. You may see the talking head on the screen every day, but you don't know that person. You don't know what his or her intentions are. You may see the information come from an official source, but you don't know their motivations. And no, this is not easy to discern. This is a world that has become needlessly complicated in so many respects. People who are well-versed on a topic are needed because this is so damn hard to navigate. It's bad enough that things like healthcare, finance, and technology have become more complicated as our overall knowledge continues to increase exponentially. But the bureaucracies that have built up behind all those topics can make even the simplest things get bogged down in confusion and lawyers speak. And besides all that, how do you know for sure you can trust these experts when the experts give conflicting information? How can you trust them when they've been proven to not have your best interest? I've listed before in this podcast the secret experimentations our own government has done on its citizens. If you are aware that the government has secretly given people fatal diseases, how can you be sure they're telling you the truth about pandemics and you're not just part of their latest grand experiment? Why would the same expert who, a year before COVID was even on anyone's radar, say in a public interview that in a pandemic situation of an airborne disease, public masking is unnecessary and ineffective, but change his story when it actually happens. I get it. It's a big, confusing world. But knowledge is power. Prices are skyrocketing, and the politician pops up on the screen telling you not to panic, that they'll fix it all and make it better for you. Yet while you flounder to keep up with inflation, these same career politicians see their net worth grow and grow and grow. Has your net worth multiplied five times, ten times since these bastards took office? Has your bank account gone up by tens of millions of dollars? When they tell you they're going to tax the millionaires, do you honestly think they'll include themselves and their families when their net worth has grown so much from the insider benefits of government policy? Look out for yourself. Find your own knowledge. Don't trust the wolves. There's no woodsman to save you. You're their prey. Next fairy tale. Cinderella. Pretty much everyone knows the modern, Disney-fied take on Cinderella. 
the lovely but oppressed Cinderella magically meets the prince but has to run away before the spell reverts her appearance back to her tattered clothes, so she runs away, leaving only her glass slipper behind. The prince searches until he finds her and then sweeps her off her feet, away from her wicked stepmother and stepsisters, and live happily ever after. Did you know that there are variations on this story going back over 2,000 years? It's pretty amazing, but rather than go that far back, I'm going to focus on the Brothers Grimm version of this story. In that version, the stepsisters, at the urging of their mother, cut off parts of their own feet to try to fit into the glass slipper helping to fool the prince. It's pretty disgusting as it is, but not found in the Disney version are a couple of pigeons who tell the prince to look out for the deception and eventually peck out the stepsisters' eyes. The stepsisters end up living out their lives as blind beggars, while Cinderella does get her happily ever after. That old-time ending with the message for modern people? Never underestimate the schemes greedy people will undertake to try to screw you over. If you've never heard this podcast before, I spent the first 33 years of my life in the Christian religion. I joke that I've forgotten more about the Bible than most televangelists ever knew. I call that my previous life. I just want to mention that so you don't think I'm talking about reincarnation here. In my previous life, I once led a Bible study talking about greed, specifically the greed of the rich that is often talked about in the New Testament. An old man in the class asked, do you think it's only the rich? He explained that greed is wanting to take possession of something that isn't yours or that you haven't earned. That is not a trait exclusive to rich people. There are people all along the economic spectrum who try to take what they haven't earned, who are willing to chop off part of their feet to fit into the glass slipper. Yes, there's countless valid examples of rich people, corporations, and governments taking what they want from people simply because they have the money and power to get away with it. Hell, I remember when I was in school, I got teased by this one guy because I wore hand-me-down clothes. His family was well off. I, I think... I think his parents were lawyers or something like that. Definitely upper middle class, at least. Not long after graduation, I heard that he got arrested for breaking into houses. Apparently he wanted to steal stuff from others just for the thrill, that, that greed, that ego boost of just seeing if he can do it. But there are plenty of non-rich people who try to get away with it, too. Think about the people who loot during a riot, or these flash mobs who rush into a store to steal as much as they can. 
You have the people who claim to be unable to find a job and live off welfare when they're fully capable. A few years ago, a reporter here did a story on people begging for money on the street corners at busy intersections in San Antonio. One guy confessed on camera that he was getting about $500 a day. A woman was filmed walking back to her SUV and driving away after spending the day begging, telling people she was in dire straits. I'm pretty sure there are people misrepresenting themselves and directly or indirectly taking money from people under false pretenses in every town across the nation. I was talking a while back with somebody about the horror stories that we've heard of people who have gone through identity theft or people that have lost so much of their earnings because of scams and how these people prey on the trust of others. Imagine all the time and effort it takes to find someone to exploit, make all the right moves to earn their trust, and then get away with whatever you can manage to pilfer from them. If those people would just focus all that energy and time into learning a skill and earning honest money, how much better would this world be? That's where the greed turns to theft, purposefully not delivering on a promised transaction, lying, cheating, and stealing. Now, I just want to clarify something, and I've talked about this before, about what it means to earn an honest dollar. I've used this example a few times. Let's say you're walking down the street, and you're just starving hungry. You haven't eaten all day, you got low blood sugar, and you're in the mood to pretty much eat anything. Just up ahead, you see me walk around the corner with a couple of Snickers candy bars. I'm opening one up and I'm taking a bite, and all you can think about is how much you would just love a Snickers bar right now. You see that I have that extra bar, so you stop me and you ask me how much to buy it from me. So I say, I'll sell it to you for $5. You know that's really expensive for a Snickers bar, even these days. But you're so hungry, you don't care. You pay me the $5. I give you the extra Snickers and go off on my merry way. You take a bite, and even though it pretty much is all empty calories, your body is just happy to have something to process. It tastes fantastic. You munch away and you go around the corner where I just came from and there you see a person with a little stand selling candy, including Snickers bars, for a dollar. And you realize if you had just waited another minute, you would have gotten what you wanted at a much lower price. You don't like the fact that I just charge you $5 for something you could have gotten for one. But that's not my fault. I did not swindle you. You asked what I was willing to take to give you my extra Snickers bar. I gave you my terms. You agreed to it. I gave you exactly what you asked for for the amount of money I offered. That's an honest transaction. 
It's not my job to tell you where you can get it cheaper any more than it is my job to tell you the health ramifications of eating candy. You could have turned down the offer, tried to talk me into a lower price, or even asked where I got mine. That's not greed. Greed is getting government involved to force changes to the equation. You complain to government that you spent too much money for something and you want them to change it for you. Greed is forcing price controls, which destroy the free market's ability to produce goods and services at their true value. Greed is mismanaging a huge corporation and then expecting government to bail you out with our tax money. Greed is taking the honestly earned wages of people via taxes to pay for wars, bailouts, and subsidies. Greed is government policies that keep poor people poor and destroy the middle class, while multimillionaire politicians tell us all to buy electric cars if we think gas is too expensive. Greed is taking what does not belong to you. Government tries to convince us that they can take what we earn so long as they do something with it. Even if it's something I support, government will find a way to make things worse. Remember, the last healthcare government fix was supposed to solve all our problems. And now they're telling us it needs fixing again. They failed, but they won't admit it. Or maybe it was never meant to succeed. That's greed. Pocketing somebody's money in taxation and returning only failed promises. Last story. The Pied Piper of Hamlet. Once again, we're familiar with this one. The village of Hamlin is overrun with rats. A man arrives who is dressed in clothes with a patchwork of colors, for those of you who are wondering what pied means. He sees the rat population and offers to rid the town of them, but it's going to cost a large sum of money. The villagers agree, and the piper plays his music. The rats hear the music, and they follow the piper all the way out of town. The piper goes back to collect the money that was promised him, and the people of the village refuse to pay him. So the Pied Piper plays his music again, and this time, instead of rats, the children of the village follow him out of town. In most modern interpretations, the piper brings the children to a cave outside of town, and eventually the adults of the village capitulate and pay the debt, and the piper sends them back. Hence, pay the piper. Ah, but in the original, the piper is much more vicious. He doesn't try to get the money back. Instead, he leads the entranced children to a river where they all drown. So you might be able to see where this one is going. 
this old time story in modern terms, the moral is pay your goddamn bills. President Biden has announced the forgiveness of some of the student debt out there. There's this bullshit excuse going around that forgiving debt is the Christian thing to do. Christ forgave debts, therefore we should forgive debts. Well, that only works if you think Joe Biden is Jesus. Now, pretty damn sure that there are some very mentally disturbed people out there who have deified Joe Biden because their blood runs Democrat blue and they'll worship at the altar of whoever sits on top of it. Just like there are people whose blood runs Republican red deifying their party's choice. Joe Biden is not Jesus. He's wiping out all or part of the debt of a select group of people and making other people pay for it. Now, if you think it's moral to pay off other people's student loans, then you should have been reaching into your own pocket, your own purse, your own bank account, and giving them your own fucking money. This is typical in politics these days, part of the dangerous ideology that is eating away at the natural rights of this country. The people who propose and call for regular citizens to sacrifice more to support these schemes are the same people who would never lift a finger to help out somebody supposedly drowning in debt if they met him on the street. But... Are they really drowning in debt? Or are they trying to live a lifestyle with modern creature comforts instead of sacrificing things they want so they can take care of the need to pay off their debts? Some interesting statistics popped up on social media along with some commentary. It went, quote, Only 37% of Americans have a four-year college degree. Only 13% have graduate degrees, and a full 56% of student loan debt is held by people who went to grad school. Biden's plan to cancel it would be like taking money from a plumber to pay the debt of a lawyer. End quote. Now, I'm sure there's someone challenging those statistics, but we live in a world where the fact-checkers are biased. Whether or not you trust the numbers, the fact of the matter is, we the taxpayers are going to end up paying for these forgiven loans. Someone defaults on a loan from a bank and the bank has to eat it, right? Wrong. The bank now has someone who welched on their promise and have to make up the loss by charging other customers. These are government loans. So who has to make up for the loss? The taxpayers. Next time you're standing in line at the grocery store, just imagine how you'd feel if the person right in front of you checking out said they couldn't pay for some or all of what they put in their basket. So the clerk points to you and says, that's okay, I'll have them pay for it instead. They walk through the store. 
They chose what to put in their basket. They are responsible for it, not you. But we're not just talking about bologna and white bread in this analogy. No, the grad school people are the ones who hold the majority of it. They didn't go to a far less expensive trade school like, say, a plumber would go to learn how to do his job. So in my little grocery analogy, this is a person who went through the store and got themselves some high-end quality shit, not caring for a moment how much it costs because they're going to live their life like they want. You're the one who budgeted. You're the one who made sensible choices for your income level. You're the one who had the foresight to look for sales and coupons. And now you're the one who's going to get stuck with the bill. This is the unnatural progression of the cancerous idea that we're all in this together. Oh no, look at that person who made the decision to take on the debt. We should forgive it. Forget the fact that the rampant inflation is hurting everyone, not just the people holding student debt. Forget the fact that idiotic energy policy is hurting everyone, not just the people holding student debt. Forget the fact that other people made sacrifices to pay off their debt without any government help. No, let's forgive this debt in time for those poor student loan people to register to vote for the guy who wiped it away. That's all this is. Just another bullshit politician desperately trying to buy votes with our tax money. And I get it. It's not just these student loan people who are getting handouts from the government in order to keep them in check and curry votes. There's all kinds of people and entities who should never have gotten a penny of taxpayer money. Never. Mega corporations deemed too big to fail. Farmers who are paid to not grow crops. Airlines, Amtrak, and that's just within our own country. Some justify the student loan forgiveness with all these others getting handouts, but I say no one should be getting them. No one should get special privilege. And if you really want to solve the problem, get rid of the taxation and unnecessary regulation that jacks up the cost of living and makes it harder for people to pay off their loans. I'm sorry, you student debt people. I'm sorry you spent your entire childhood being obedient to everything your parents and teachers told you about studying hard and making good grades because you absolutely had to go to college if you ever wanted to have a good life. I'm sorry you got to the end of your high school career and you got accepted into that expensive school that you convinced yourself you had to get into. I'm sorry that you listened to your parents and teachers and your loan officer that you were making the best decision to willingly accept the debt in order to pay for that expensive school. 
I'm sorry that you chose to pursue a degree that you so desperately wanted to be an expert in because you were convinced that if you did what you loved, you would never really have to work. I'm sorry you were lied to by your parents and teachers that as soon as you had that degree, you had it made. The doors would magically open for you and you will have your dream job and be set for the rest of your life. I'm sorry that you never thought to research your desired field to see if the job market was already flooded with people with the same degree you pursued. I'm sorry you were led into the situation by people you trusted and should have given you a realistic view of the world instead of blowing smoke up your ass. You were swindled. It sucks. You've fallen for the trap and they got you right where they want you owing them for the life they convinced you to want. I've said this before regarding taxes, but it applies here as well. If you truly believe that you own your body, that you have the right to do with it as you please, then by logical extension, whatever you produce with your body, your work, your mind, your talent, your risk, is yours as well. You own it. No one else has any moral claim to your work without your direct consent. Now, I chose the phrase direct consent on purpose because there's this bullshit idea out there that taxation is part of a social contract that you are automatically required to pay into as part of your existence, your citizenship. But that is a lie. The way we define the value of of our work and risk these days is a middleman called money. See, it used to be a very long time ago where if you were a hunter, for example, you could go out into the wild, kill some animals, bring them back to the village, and trade the product of your work directly with others for things you needed. Bring some meat to the farmer to trade for vegetables, and then go make yourself a stew. Now, it's too complicated for that. An insurance salesman can't go to an Italian restaurant and tell the manager, hey, I'll give your customers an hour's worth of homeowner's insurance advice if you'll give me two orders of chicken parmesan. Now, the insurance salesman does her job, gets a paycheck, and then takes some of that money to the Italian restaurant for dinner. You have to think of money that you earned in those terms. If you make $20 an hour and dinner for the family costs $40, then you need to think of dinner as two hours of your work. And that's before taxes. No one has the right to demand you give them money unless you agree to it in advance. You go to buy a car for $40,000 and make a loan agreement to pay it off, then the people you made the agreement with have the right to come knocking on your door for the money. However, if someone takes what you have earned without your direct consent, like a bullshit social contract or a tax you were bullied into by a tyrannical majority, then that is a violation of your natural rights. 
you have a right to every penny you earned through honest means. No one, not the criminal with the gun, not the governor with the police force backing him up, not the congressman with the IRS Gestapo under his control, has the right to take it away from you. Not to pay for wars, corporate bailouts, or to pay someone else's student loan. If you are one of those people who benefit from this loan forgiveness, then you have reneged on your promise. You have allowed a politician to do something for your benefit at the detriment of someone else. You have no right to other people's money. Pay the piper and get out of your fairy tale world. This is the Raging Rhino Podcast. You'll hear from me again.